What do you know about that, man? <laughs> That was pretty fun. <laughs> we did that on the show last year, and that was pretty cool. I remember that. Yeah, it was a good piece. All right, so we get this uh, going, right. Lee. How, do I sound all right? Uh, yes, you do. I hope good. I do. Um, I'm Chase Winninger, host of the podcast, Lee McClellan, co-host. I hope everyone is doing well. I tell you what, we aren't waiting as long between podcasts this time. Yes. Because literally, Please don't have a heart attack. No. Yeah. <laughs> we, we literally walked out after we ended our last, last podcast. I think you walked out the door and immediately after you did, I said, shoot, there's something we should have hit on that we did not. Mm -hmm. And um, it is unfortunately David Hayes passing away. And yes. David is a man that you've met several times. You've interviewed mm -hmm. him several times. Been in his home. Yeah, and uh, been down there and talked to. So I thought we need to we need to get back together sometime soon and talk a little bit about David Hayes and people who might not know. I mean, I'm sure they've seen the fish he caught because mm -hmm. it's probably the most popular, famous fish in the state of Kentucky. You see it everywhere on license plates and signs and posters. But uh, David Hayes is the man who caught the world record smallmouth bass. Mm -hmm. On July 9th, 1955. July 9th, 1955. Right, right before 10 o'clock in the morning. And it went 11 pounds, 15 ounces. 11 pounds, 15 ounces. Yes. A, lot of, uh, a lot of places, you know, you'll see online 10 records that will never be broken. And, you know, the most unbelievable fishing records of all time. That bass is pretty much the number one yeah. at the top of all those lists. It's like the world record smallmouth bass sitting at number one. Then you got like a 2,800-pound great white shark sitting at mm, number two. Yes. But it's a, I mean, unbelievable record, and it's one that people say will probably never be broken. Well, you know, uh, I, I believe that because um, Benji Kimmon, who was the former director of fisheries, mm -hmm. um, and I, I, I've written several pieces about this fish, and I was interviewing him. And Mr. Hayes said in his home the last time we were there uh, with some of the TV crew, uh, not very long ago, I wrote another piece just as kind of this, uh, what I called set the record straight piece. But um, he was likely that they pulled, um, Del Hollow Dam was impounded, if memory serves correctly, in 44. Um, and this was 55. So, yeah, look that up. But I'm that's just, up. I know Kentucky Dam was around the same time too. Um, and Mr. Hayes said that the, the, a biologist from Tennessee pulled one of the uh, scales and uh, aged him. And he said he was 13 years old. May 7th, 1944. I've still got it, baby. So, <laughs> Benji, that obviously shows he was a river fish okay. that lived in the Wolf River. So, so how old was the fish, you said? 13. So he was 13 years old, caught in 55. Mm -hmm. So the fish would have been hatched in... 43. 42. 42, yeah. 42. So he I can't was, add, sorry. Two plus a, two is seven. It was a two-year-old river fish and mm -hmm. a two-year-old smallmouth. We're talking something like five or six inches long mm -hmm. when the when the lake was impounded. Yes. And then he lived the next uh, 11 years of his life in Del Hollow Lake. Yeah, in a buffet. Yeah. So explain what Benji told me. Told well, you there. Benji thinks that because there's very few impoundments. And you love Del Hall, I love Del Hall. Oh, yeah. It's very unique. Very, very few impoundments, especially this far south, rarely ever have the dominant black bass as a smallmouth. It's almost always largemouth's the biggest, spots usually are second, and smallmouths are third, or smallmouths could be second. But this is one of the few reservoirs that the smallmouth is the dominant black bass. Yeah. Is that because of fertility or water clarity? Just or? the way that, yeah, the way it worked out. And the genetics of that, of those, I mean, I think if, if memory serves correctly, uh, 
four or five out of the top ten are all Delhalla fish. Yeah, I think the three largest smallmouth ever caught came from Delhalla. Delhalla, yes. And the genetics are superior. I've heard that the Wolf River smallmouth mm-hmm. genetics, which is Wolf River feeds Delhalla. Yes. I've heard that those genetics are the best in the world. World, yes. So if you were to take, uh, you know, you're talking about. That's what Ted Crowell told me. You're he look- was a former director, assistant director of fisheries. You're looking at Darwinism. You're thinking survival mm-hmm. of the fittest. Mm-hmm. Well, the fittest of the smallmouth were swimming around in Wolf River. Mm-hmm. And then when that dam went in and that lake became impounded. He had a buffet of food and yeah. just sat there and went. Whoop, whoop, yep. So, and ate everything in sight and got humongous. I mean, yes, humongous. And so the reason that that'll probably never happen again is. I doubt there'll be. Benji uh, believes, as I concur, there won't be a, um, a an impoundment. A, there's going to be very few new impoundments built, uh-huh. um, just for environmental. Con- I mean, you know, environmental concerns. Uh, just the, the way things are. I don't think people are have the appetite for those kind of projects that we did 50, 60 yeah. years ago. Yeah. So, I doubt. And and that the new lake effect, as we all know too. I mean, when the first ten years of impoundment usually are the best because yep. you have all these nutrients, you have all this new stuff. You mm-hmm. just have a smorgasbord. Yeah. So we're so, talking about when that lake's impounded and the water level rises. Mm-hmm. You know, and it goes from being just a river to flooding all this area. Mm-hmm. You've got everything that was on the ground there, all the leaching nutrients. Yeah. Just making. You're talking the, all the all the trees, all the bushes, all the shrubs are adding soil nutrients. There's probably a bunch of of food in mm. the soil. Yes. They, they, you know, those fish, they basically just have a smorgasbord. Board, and that's how he got that size. And I, if I had to guess, you know, people know Darwinism. They know survival mm-hmm. of the fittest. Well. The life's probably a little bit tougher in the river yes. than it is in an impoundment. So I would say the selective breeding doesn't really take place in a lake as you know forcefully mm-hmm. as it does in a river. Yeah. So you might not be getting all those dominant tra- traits, and it mm-hmm. might not just be the strongest fish that are surviving and breeding. You might have some weaker genetics that actually start to form. That's just my theory. That's mm-hmm. my hypothesis. But you know, knowing what I know about selective breeding and and uh, dominant traits that make sense, I would think. Yeah, he went from a hard scrabble existence to lap of luxury. So he had that river mentality, EDD, you know, got mm-hmm. to work yeah. as hard as I can. Yes, I've talked about that as well. Yeah. Because, I mean, yeah, he was programmed not to live in a lake. He was programmed, food, I've got to take advantage because yeah. I might not see it again for a day. Yeah. Food, food, food. So he just yeah, and then crushed yeah. it. So he was that, uh, he was, yeah. I'm trying to think of a good analogy. I want to compare the fish to Mike Tyson for some yeah, reason. Yeah, no. right? you know, uh, he's a. Yeah, but but something. you know, I mean, we have fished streams many a times, and it is, especially in winter, it's a precarious existence, and food's hard to come by. There's a lot of competition if it's a good stream. So, you're right. He's genetically programmed to eat when yep. he has opportunity. So it's likely a fish that a record that will never probably be beaten. never be broken. And uh, if it does, it'll be one of those probably reservoirs out west that have them. Out west or maybe, I mean, Japan does some funky stuff mm-hmm. with their bass too. But, I mean, so 1955, we're talking 65 years. Yep, almost to the day, because he passed on July 8th, 2020. Yeah, so the fish was caught on July 9th, 2020. I, I remember, Lee, I was actually, it was a Friday, and I had taken off work to go fishing. I was at the river. I better turn the volume down on my computer. <laughs> I was at the river fishing, and I got your text that, uh, David had passed away. Mm-hmm. Mr. Hayes had passed away two days prior, or something mm-hmm. like that. Chad and told me. Chad oh. told you. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he passed away on July 8th, which was the day before the 65th anniversary of the catch. 
And um, I know you sat down and you talked to David Hayes quite a bit. Why don't you kind of? I want to hear what you have to say because you met the man. I never, I never actually got I've, to meet I've, him. I've been around him several times. Uh, you know, the the one that let's get the uh, elephant in the room out of the way. There was some controversy surrounding the fish, um, stemming from two things. One was the mount was not good. Mm-hmm. Back then, uh, there were very few people in Kentucky who knew how to do a small mount. Yeah. So that mount, it sat around forever frozen, um, and he sent it to Wisconsin, if memory serves correctly, to get it mounted. And it had rigor mortis really bad, so the, the tail is kind of kinked and upturned. And, you know, I I've, I've saw in one of our Kentucky fields, there's an interview with him, and he's holding the fish frozen yeah, <laughs> before he sent it off. So, yeah. you know, and I, a lot of people who've caught near record fish, well, it, it shrunk, it, it was out of the water, but... I don't know how much shrinkage there is, but there was a little bit. Mm-hmm. But but the mount doesn't really, it's just, you know, I don't mean to cast aspersions, but it's just not that good. Yeah. Now, our artist, Rick Hill, went back to the original specs, the length, girth, and pictures, and he painted one that we have hanging in the... Uh, two scale. Two scale. So yeah. if you ever doubt whether or not that's the deal, if you're ever in Frankfurt, you're here at the game farm, come into the front office, turn left, when we open again. <laughs> Better say that. And look at that. And when you see it to scale, what it is to the exact dimensions, rather, it's all inspiring. They also have that uh, the same poster or the same painting at uh, Del Hall Lake State Park in yep. the Wabi. Yes. And if you go to the David Hayes boat ramp, which is the state ramp there, mm-hmm. the state park ramp. I was at the dedication. It's life. It's a life size, um, mm-hmm. you know, version of the fish on the boat ramp sign too. So if, and. It's the same exact fish that's on the license plates you see. Mm-hmm. Everybody driving around, it's a blue license plate with the mm-hmm. small mouth on it. Same one. That's David Hayes fish. And you'll see that on the life-size um, you know, posters or signs. And when you think about holding that fish in your hand, it's... Oh, it's incredible. It's I, I mean, sometimes I reach up to the print, I'm like thinking, how how would it be to thumb that thing? I, you'd have to do two hands on that one oh, for sure. Yeah. Oh, trust me. If I caught a fish that big, I might. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he was worried his net was torn up. I'm getting ahead of myself. But there was uh, some controversy back in the early 2000s. An an outdoor writer with honorable intentions found an an affidavit in the files at the core office from uh, from a former disgruntled employee of a rival dock. What happened was Bassmaster, I think it's 2005, uh, December 2005. I think you're thinking Field and Stream. No, well, there was one in Bassmaster. Okay, because I know in an interview that I saw with him, he mentioned Field and Stream. Yes, yeah. yes. Well, he did because they he won the big fish contest for smallmouth that year okay. from Field and Stream, and they sent him some free stuff. Okay. Um, but there was an article in Bassmaster that shows a picture at Wisdom Dock, which is in Kentucky, uh-huh. on a scale that was not certified for trade, but it's just below 12 pounds. Mm-hmm. I mean, just a smidgen. So they put it in his boat, drove it to uh, Cedar Hill, yeah. to have it weighed on scale certified for trade. Yeah. Well, Cedar Hill had fired this particular individual uh, from a guiding job, and he was bitter, and he went and placed an affidavit saying that he put motor parts and all this stuff in the guts of it. No one else has ever uh, said this. It was just, uh, um, it was, you know, a, a falsehood. He was just disgruntled man. So here's a question for you. And he had family connections to a rival doc yeah. as well. Well, I mean, I trust me, it sounds to me like this was an employee who was ticked off and 
trying to get back at somebody. Yeah. You know, he basically he he got he, fired. He wasn't trying to get back at David Hayes for no, anything. He was trying he, to get back at Cedar Hill Dock. And Cedar Hill's Dock at that point in time, their claim to fame was probably that picture of that oh, yeah. smallmouth oh, on yeah. the scale. So he's thinking, well, I can just you know take a, take take their claim to fame away. But I've seen that picture of David holding the frozen smallmouth mm-hmm. that you're talking about. And that fish, I mean, it was frozen. Went to the taxidermist and. It's not like the taxidermist, you know, f- mounts the whole fish. I mean, you got to skin it, you got to cut. Mm-hmm. If there was a boat bar in there, you would think that. Oh yeah, some, that would have been found out immediately. Yeah, somebody would have seen that. And especially, there's corroborating evidence showing, and a Kentucky Fish and Wildlife officer was there at Wisdom Dock and witnessed them weigh it, yeah. and he saw no funny business go on. So didn't uh, with the specs you were talking about, Rick Hill painting the mm-hmm. fish to the specs, the exact length, exact girth. Um, the specs actually came out that the fish should have been heavier, right? Yes. Because it was caught in on July 9th, like you said, which, mm-hmm. you know, that's not spawn or anything. That, that fish potentially could have been over 12 and a half or close yeah, to Yeah, if, if it was, if it, she was with eggs, my God, she would have weighed a lot more. Yeah. If you caught her in April, it would have been a different ballgame. Yeah. So what, keep so what happened was uh, um, Tennessee, uh, the, the assistant fisheries director, started investigating it, some other people did, and... and uh, the IGFA, you know, once this affidavit came out, the IGFA um, um, disqualified it. And um, I don't think the Freshwater Fishing Hall of Fame ever did. Um, and when the IGFA disqualified it, a lot of states, including Kentucky, followed suit. However, Ron, uh, I think his name was Ron Fox, if memory serves correctly, from Tennessee Wildlife Resources, started investigating it, and some other people started mainly going by the measurements, going by the girth, going by length, going by photos, going by evidence, and said, this, this has not been doctored. This fish is legitimate. Yeah. He pleaded his case to the IGFA, and the IGFA reinstated it. Yeah. Um, you know, Mr. Hayes was, you know, unhappy about it, but um, one of the things that also has hurt it is that Mr. Hayes was a successful businessman. He yeah. had a very, very good wholesale grocery business yeah. um, that he owned. He was a pilot. He used to fly to Del Hollow and go fishing and fly back to Litchfield. That's he did cool. it all the time. He's got it made. I know. He was, uh, so, you know, it, to him it was a fish. Uh-huh. You know, it was a big fish. And let me see. On my notes I'm, I, I wrote here. While you're uh, looking that up, I do want to make the point. Yeah. The affidavit mm-hmm. was unsigned. Yeah. So it, it was. It had no legal weight. Yeah, exactly. So that's another thing that's kind of strange about the controversy. It wasn't even that there was a filed affidavit. There was just somebody scribbled some stuff down. Stuff and, and put it in the file. And didn't even sign the paper or anything no. like that. So it had, it had the legal weight of a, of a feather. Yeah. Um, oh, he said, somebody sent me a cooler. I uh, got some fishing line, and a bomber sent him a box of lures. Yeah, that's what he got after he got it. <laughs> that's what he got. Now he'd be, you know, make a ton of money off of it. Yeah. And some people saw that as equivalent to guilt, the fact that he didn't like try to make a buck off of it. He yeah. just said, well, I caught a big fish. You know, I mean, he didn't need nice. the money. He, he didn't need the money. It yeah. was just to him. It's something he did on the weekends for fun. He'd take his family. His wife and his son were with him when he caught the fish. Yeah. Um, he had a, a 21-foot kind of cuddy cabin style boat, yeah. uh, 40 horse. He said it was way underpowered. Uh, I think it was a Lone Star was the name of the boat. I looked it up. Um, and they were asleep mm-hmm. And when, when it struck. Um, they slept in that morning, but you know that was just something he did with his buddies and his family. He'd fish three weekends in a row down there when he caught it, and the fact that he didn't try to 
promote himself and do all that to some people was tacit admission of guilt. Oh, can you imagine today if somebody? Oh my God, there'd be a whole Facebook page, or be you know, be all yeah. over. My God, be all over social media, be all over the news. It'd be you know. Oh, the it'd be Bassmaster running. If somebody know. caught the fish today, the Facebook post would matter more than the fish itself. To yeah. Me, you know. Yes. And I mean, I hate to put myself in that category, but if I, you know, if I caught a world record fish, I'd I'd have to toot my horn a little bit. Too. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, it was I'm, a different time in '55. Yeah. There was no fishing tour. There was no professional bass angler. Yeah, there, there probably was wasn't, I mean, there, I'm sure there was a lot of money in the industry already, but there mm -hmm. probably wasn't all the money in promotion. No. Um, and every, you know, nowadays, I mean, if you catch a world record on a bait, I mean, you're pretty much guaranteed to probably... Make a make a pretty penny off. Yeah, it. well, the line manufacturers want to gonna want the recognition. The bait manufacturers gonna want the recognition. The rod, the reel, oh, I mean, no. the boat, mm -hmm. everybody. But, um, you know, the way I understand it, David Hayes was kind of a renaissance man as far as fishing goes. Yeah. He was ahead of his time. He was. Some of the, and we've talked about this before on the podcast a little bit. Obviously, we're hitting it again. We might be repeating some info. I think it's been a long time since we've said it. But, yeah, it has been. You know, we, we kind of need to tell the whole story now, especially for any new listeners. But yes. he was trolling when he caught it. Yeah. And he thinks that he had hooked him and his buddy that he fished with a lot. He thinks they had had it hooked two times before that mm -hmm. and lost it both He times. called it Old Joe. Yeah, and he, he thought he had it hooked a different time, but it yeah. turned out just to be a five-gallon bucket. Yeah, right? <laughs> well, th that's the funny part, right? Where the David L. Hayes boat ramp is, if you were to look down Lake Adele Hollow, to your right, there's a cove adjacent, and then around it is Phillips Bend, which uh, the, the old uh, Wolf River Channel swings right there off that point and makes a really hard hairpin turn and then goes down lake. You're kind of talking about right below the state park. Yeah, so right there at the ramp. It was adjacent to the ramp, yeah. so he caught the water. So right if, you're, if you're up there standing, at the, if you're in your room at the state park, you got a lake view. You're looking right out mm -hmm. over the lake, over that big cliff. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. And you can pretty much see the boat ramp over there. Yeah. And you're talking about the area. That cove to the right. Yeah, that area right there out in front. You can see it from the state park and you can see it from the boat ramp. That's where he caught it. Yeah, and so he was trolling that bomber. I think he said he had like bomber two, 600, yeah. 250 or 300. 300 feet out behind him. That's a lot, a lot. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> yeah. um, and there was an old, and I've got the pre-impoundment maps of Dale Hollow, and where old Joe struck, there are foundations, there's evidence of a feedlot and a barn and things of that nature. So it was it was a homestead. Yeah. He said he not only that that time he's like oh my god I got a giant fish and it was the bucket he hooked yeah. the bucket by the handle. <laughs> hey, old Joe might have been actually sleeping in a bedroom down there. He could have been laying around yeah. those old foundations. Yeah. He said he trolled up uh, shoes. He trolled up some clothing and some fence if memory serves correctly. Yeah, that wouldn't happen these days. But you're talking really close to impoundment. I mean, mm -hmm. yeah. There, there was probably Th a those lot things of stuff. have long rotted away long yeah. ago. Or they're they're down there by the dam sitting yeah. deep. Sitting deep in so. it. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, that particular day, he said that he had fished three weekends in a row, and he camped in this little hollow, and I've fished in there a bunch. It's right where Phillips Bend is. There's a little bitty cove that's uh, really secluded, has big boulders, really pretty. They camped there, and he called that Hoot Owl Holler because the, the owls would hoot at night, mm -hmm. so he called it Hoot Owl Holler. Yeah, that's cool. And he had camped there three weekends in a row with his family, and this, this couple, older couple, w was fishing the cove uh, right there by the, the David L. Hayes boat ramp. And they would take a rowboat, row their lures and bobbers out into the middle of the cove because they couldn't cast that far. Yeah. Drop them really deep and then row back, sit in lawn chairs and watch the bobbers reel in a fish. And Man. when they caught fish, they'd do that, it again. That sounds like work. <laughs> no, it does. Yeah. Well, he said they had fished there three weekends in a row, he told me. This was the last time I saw him. 
So he didn't want to screw up their fishing. So he didn't do, usually he would go pretty far deep into the cove and then come back out. And to this day, I've caught fish there and there's a lot of weeds. So yeah. I'd say that he said there was a hole in the weed beds he was aiming for. Yeah. And uh, he kind of did a little jig compared to his normal route. And when he did the little jig to avoid the couple, wham. That's yep. when old Joe hit. You know, uh, it makes sense for him to hit in a turn, too. Mm -hmm. They say a lot of times you'll get a strike when your lure switches directions. Yes. So uh, and that's know, probably what happened. So That's why I kind of like drifting a lure through current. Mm -hmm. But if you're fishing, you know, just normal in a pond or a lake or something, maybe if you're reeling on your right side, maybe try moving your rod tip over occasionally mm -hmm. and just try, you know, if you, because when a, a, an aggressive predator fish is chasing a bait fish, you know, they might just be following it. And then that change of direction makes them think that fish is going to get away. Way, mm -hmm. So they'll strike. Yeah, it's kind of an, a reaction strike to the the fish that they're looking at changing directions. And I think that's that's a good chance that's what happened yeah. with, with this fish. And so he had hooked the fish two times before. He thinks. Mm -hmm. I mean, no way to prove that it's the same fish, but that it was a monster, mm -hmm. and it had broke them off or taken their hooks or yeah. something like that. And when he actually caught it the third time, they hooked it. The fish dang near got away. That not well. It, it pulled one hook out and the other. Till I've held the lure, it's still loosey goosey. Yeah. It was a miracle he got it in. Gosh. And he said, uh, "I thought." He says, "You know, you find out smallmouth play possum on you." That's what yeah. he told me last time I was in his house. I thought he was dead, and then he said, when he got him in the boat, it just exploded. Yeah. And he said he pulled and pulled and pulled. His rod that I held, the the rod that caught the world record, was a true temper rod, steel. One of those octagonal steel rods they used to sell. He bought Solid it. Solid steel. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. And he bought it a belt wrap hardware in Louisville on sale for twenty bucks. Yeah. And he bought two of them. Well, twenty bucks back in uh, you're talking early fifties is well, pre pretty good money. I mean, I don't know. I could probably look it up what it calculates. Actually, you know what? I'm going to do that. Yeah. You keep telling your story. I'm I'm going to look this up. I want to know what twenty but bucks it, is. That rod still has a permanent bend in it from the world record. Yeah. It's kind of cool to see. Um, so he caught the fish. He got some bombers. Not a whole lot of stuff sent to him. Years later, there was a controversy. Fish is still instated. Yeah. Maybe the best catch of all time in fishing history. No doubt. I mean, you're saying the fish is only 12 pounds. How's that the best catch? But compared, I mean, that's the equivalent of catching just an, oh, no, you know, for what the fish is. And of the black bass, you know, I might be a little bit uh, biased, but mm -hmm. the smallmouth is. Oh, me too. Is the king of Oh, yeah. He is the thoroughbred of the, of the black bass. Let's see, I'm looking this up. So, if so let's just say you bought the rods in 1950. Mm -hmm. If purchased item for twenty dollars, mm -hmm. it would those rods two hundred thirteen bucks. So I mean, they were good rods back then. If you're talking about the equipment, how much would it be now? Two thirteen. Yeah, well, that'd be a that'd be a I guess an avid uh, Saint Croix avid. That's there, but they're around two hundred. Cumulative bucks. rate of inflation is nine hundred and seventy percent. From 1950 to 2020, 970% inflation. That's why your grandparents and people tell you to put uh, put 20 bucks in the bank every week, and when you're 50 years old or 60 years old, that you'll be glad you did. Yeah, no doubt. Because that 20 bucks you're putting in right now is going to oh, 10 times itself. No doubt. You know, by the time. That's why granddad would give me a nickel and be like, well, here, Lee, you can have some money. I was like, well, thanks, granddad, but it was only a nickel. Yeah. But a nickel for him was... Yeah. Hell, he'd say candy bars are two and a half cents, three cents. I mean, things used to cost, uh, they used to, didn't there used to be half cent coins? Yeah, back two in the and a half cents. I think that I think that some bus fares and things were like half cent Yeah, bus fares. So they don't even have half cent coins no, anymore. But can you imagine? Need. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty Well, pretty do you insane. remember, did you ever eat at Taylor's in Richmond? Uh-uh. It probably was gone by then. Um, 
it's it was on First Street where the uh, where the Justice Center thing is. Yeah, I know that, where that is. Where that that line. it was the old old school hamburger place. Okay, and it had a sign. And over the years, like the original sign was hand painted. And I remember seeing fried pies, five cents. Yeah. Hamburger, four cents. Cheeseburger, five cents. You yeah. know, like like a like boa chili hamburger, eight cents. I mean, it's crazy. It's kind of kind of ridiculous to think that you could run a business on five dollars of revenue a day. <laughs> it's nuts. And then people put over the years they put tape on it, but the grease from the. Uh, from cooking and all, we kind of make it translucent, and you could just still see the old hand painted. Yeah. It, was, it was a really neat thing. Well, you know, the only time I had to go to the Justice Center in college, one time my buddy at a football game had a little bit too much to drink <laughs> beforehand, and luckily that's the only time I had to go pick him up. <laughs> I, you know, I, I've told you before, I never went to a single EKU football game. Oh, we went to back then. We went. To no, well, that's because Roy Kidd was the coach back then, and you guys were winning. I know. Yeah, yeah. It's it. a it's a little bit different story. I now. saw Lorenzo Fields get his leg broken. We would win championship. Eight Lorenzo Fields was NFL, right? Did uh, he end up going to NFL? No, he broke his. He was our great quarterback. Uh, off that team, Marcus Thomas went to the NFL. And before it was Tim Lester who was the the blocker for the bus at Pittsburgh for a long time. Yeah, see, I, we had I, several pros on back that then. EKU football was a powerhouse. Yeah, it, was, it was great. We're getting a little off topic, so, <laughs> We're good. But um, um, one of the things too that I I've, I found fascinating about it was uh, he was worried his net was a little old. He's like, if I had a, if my net was a little bit more rotten, it would have torn his net up. Yeah. And he said it, it, it just flopped all over the place in the boat. He, he's convinced he didn't know it was hooked until he got right near the boat. And they put in the cooler, and by the time that they got it to Wisdom Dock, it already kind of had the bends. Well, and it had the bends because it was too long for the cooler. So exactly. when it went in the cooler, it didn't lay flat. It didn't actually, lay flat, and it, then, then it, that, that crookedness was in there. Yeah, you know, rigor mortis had set in. And I think that played a role in why the mount looks unimpressive. So many yeah. people saw that mount like, that ain't 11 pound fish. He got it redone, right? He he did. He got to repaint and redone. So but, I, I think. But it, compared to Rick's painting, it's just. Yeah, yeah. Rick's painting is about as good as it gets. You know, my whole takeaway on David Hazley, he was 95 when he passed away, right? Yes. And he had a son and a daughter, mm -hmm. both still living, right? Yes. And he caught a world record fish. Yeah. So if you can live to be 95, catch a world record, and never have to bury a, a kid, <clears throat> I mean, I've told Chad before. I was like, sign me up. No doubt. Like right now. No doubt. He lived a he lived a great life. And and Mr. Hayes is a very modest, humble, old school type dude. Yeah. So and and just of the utmost integrity. And I've I've talked to other people about him, and the, the man's highly respected by anybody had any dealings with him. Yeah. So, I mean, he would not have doctored a fish, especially mm -hmm. when he didn't get it. I mean, he got a cooler and a box of lures. Yeah. You know, now with the pressure would be, hmm, oh, if I have a world record smallmouth, I'm going to be rich yeah. as Roosevelt. You know, Lee, I might drop a little weight down in there. You know, I mean, there'd be a much more incentive now to do something I, like I've that. Got a picture, I've got a picture on my desktop right here. Uh, pull it up, and it's a you. Yep, uh, it's you with and, the mount. You and David that's after he got the mount redone. It looks a lot better than it did. There's a, there's a very young Lee here mm -hmm. with a yes. few, few extra pounds on him. Yeah, I did. Well, I'm skinnier now, but I have grayer hair. Yes. Le less and grayer hair. But sitting next to David Hayes, and you're holding the fish mount, and mm -hmm. David is holding a map of the lake, and he's actually pointing to the spot that he caught the fish. Yes. And that spot that he's pointing to is in Kentucky. Yes. Right. And there's some controversy over you because know because it was caught in reciprocal water, and Mr. Hayes. Because Tennessee helped him, 
Yeah, I don't blame didn't, him a bit. Didn't want to rock the boat. So yeah, we just both claim it, and that's where we're that's where we're at. It was caught in reciprocal waters. That fish was swimming in Tennessee and in Kentucky. Yeah. It was caught in Kentucky, but I mean, like like you said earlier, just around the corner and a little bit down is the border. The the literally a couple hundred yards. Yeah. So I mean, but literally, um, you were talking earlier about the guy from the TWRA who helped him, you know, yeah. with the record, and basically he was grateful enough to TWRA mm-hmm. for helping him out there that he never ever you know, publicly, officially gave the exact location of the fish. because and he did that with me. Then he started going, well, it could have been here and it could have been there. He started messing with me right after this picture was taken. Rick took that picture, Rick Hill. And then he started messing. I still have that shirt, by the way. Um, He uh, started kind of messing with me, going, well, I might caught it here, I might caught it here. But right there, I said, where did you catch it, Mr. Ace, for the record? And he pointed right there. Yeah, and so he had had the power to, to give, you know, he... He and he, the, he asked us, do not, I don't want to get into the Kentucky-Tennessee thing. No, I'm because, thankful for both. Yeah. Well, you, you know, rightfully, he caught in Kentucky, and Tennessee deserved the fish, too, because it was in Tennessee. I mean, they had And the they work. went to bat for him. Yeah, and they went to bat for him. So I, I kind of respect Mr. Hayes for mm-hmm. sticking up for Tennessee. Yeah, you know I do, I mean? too. And uh, I respect uh, the people of Tennessee for, for doing it. Yeah. One of the things is another thing I wanted to bring up. If you look, I've got that world record book. You've looked at it. Yeah, the IGFA, IGFA world record. I records. mean, almost every world record right below it is like, say, I'm, I'm, I think the world record large mouse 22 and change. Mm-hmm. Right below it's 22, 21.10. I mean, it's like ounces yeah. stacked up. This was a pound bigger than anything in the record book. I think the second biggest, because like I said, I think is the, that is that the Paul Bill? No, the other guy, I think, John Gorman. I think one went ten ten. Ten, yeah. Another one went ten eight. Eight ten eight, yeah. Both caught out of Del Hollow. Yes. And, but eleven fifteen is kind of like whoa. Yeah. So the, some people saw that. Had, well, look at all these that stacked up right below, and this one's a pound and change bigger. Mm. To yeah. some people, that also was evidence of his guilt. But, but I mean, it's a it's a legit fish. I'm looking at it right there. The mm-hmm. mount, even though that's not the best looking mount, like you said, that is a whopper. Yeah. <sighs> you know what? We, so after Mr. Hayes passed away, I was actually standing on the the fossil beds on the Ohio River when you uh, texted me and told me that. Mm-hmm. And so I put the fishing poles down and I picked up the phone and I I called somebody here, Jameson or Sangster or Tim, somebody who was in the office and oh, it's Sangster. And I had him uh, run the piece we did with David Hayes on Facebook, you mm-hmm. know, because you told me the magazine was going to tweet something out. So mm-hmm. I told him schedule it for one o'clock. That way the magazine can get their their info out there, too. And um, if somebody wanted to see the story and kind of hear from Mr. Hayes himself, they can go to the Kentucky Field Facebook page mm-hmm. or, or YouTube mm-hmm. and, and find that piece. I think we filmed it either last year or two years ago. I think it was two years ago. Two years ago. So. And um, I mean, Mr. Hayes, Mr. Hayes is 93 at the time, and mm-hmm. you know you can tell he's getting up there. But he was he was pretty frail. Well, he 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 was, and 93 years old, you know. But some of the things that he still remembered were kind of, kind of, kind of made me smile, you know. Because mm-hmm. um, at one point, Chad was getting to the point, getting to the fact that he had to drive the fish to Wisdom to have it officially weighed. Mm-hmm. And Chad said, uh, "So you had to go to Wisdom. That's that's quite a ways, isn't it?" And Mr. A said, "17 miles." <laughs> he knew exactly. Yeah, know it. He knew exactly how many. And when Chad asked him, uh, "How far back behind the boat were you drawing?" He said, "250 to 300 feet." Like he, I mean, he remembers it. Yeah, he had a mind like a steel well, trap. He, he he probably did that so many times. Made that trip to dock to dock. Mm-hmm. Spent so much time on the lake. Trolled so many times that, I mean, he he would never I forget. Think he told me. 
he caught um, his, the biggest fish. He caught a nine-pound largemouth trolling, and I think his buddy caught like a seven-and-change spotted bass. Wow. That seven-and-change spotted bass would be a state record, wouldn't mm -hmm. it? I yeah. think so. I think the state record spot's like maybe five or six. Uh, it might be seven, seven. Okay, okay. I, I shouldn't speak without knowing, but but and it was caught in the Rolling Fork River. It's much smaller than the large in the spot. And the, and the, the you know, I wanted the, there was a little bit, so people were investigating the spot, and we went and looked for the where the guy lived and all that, and the Waters Expressway or something. That house doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> oh, really? The address was literally <laughs> the address was a highway. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um. But he also loved to catch big walleye, and that mm. day he said they caught some monster big walleye down there trolling. Really? And he said he trolled one time. That's when his buddy caught. He caught the. They caught two over five that day, and he said it was 17 degrees and four inches of snow on the ground, and his his guides kept freezing when they were trolling. I'm looking at the. I'm gonna look up the IGFA smallmouth records. Uh, right now, because I want to see what it says about. I don't know if the second and third largest ever were certified. ESPN has. I've looked at top ten smallmouth, and it's ESPN has a, re a record of the top ten. That'll have the biggest in the line class, but. Uh, World records. Who we are? Oh well, this is all. Uh, IGFA has a website. Anybody can get on there and search. I actually kind of like looking at the line classes because some of them are pretty pretty. Um, I know that uh, you've you've done a show. Having Kristen trying to catch the, because uh, that's really not that that uh, that one is very. Well, you know, I'm thinking Dale Hollow in my mind. I mean, there's lakes you can go to up north in New York and Canada and Wisconsin that you can catch a lot more smallmouth than you mm -hmm. can can here, but the size. It's just no, oh, and I just part there's of me still pigs on it. Just part of me selfishly thinks that. Um, Del Hollow should just own all the records when it comes to smallmouth. I know. And you start looking at the line class records, and a lot of them are owned by people up in New York, and they're mm -hmm. three pounds, eight ounces, four pounds, you know, two ounces on six and eight pound test line, and that's very, very doable. And Kristen's actually broken that line class world record twice, but because of the slot limit, we weren't able to, you know, a 21 and over is what mm -hmm. it has to be to basically break the line record and be able to get it certified. Yeah. And she's caught them like 20 and three quarters, so we had to turn them loose, but talking fish that are almost five pounds. So um, Del Hollow is just, I, I feel like it should own the records and kind mm -hmm. of one of my personal little goals is to get them, get them rightfully back to Del Hollow. No doubt. Yeah. No doubt. Well, Lee, um, what else you got on David Hayes? Anything? I think we fairly well told the story. Mm -hmm. Man, I'm getting emails. I really need to turn my volume down. All right. What else uh, you got? Um... Let me see. Well, um, he also caught that reel on a pin peerless uh, number nine, and I looked that up on eBay just for, and people still use those reels for yeah. ocean fishing. Yeah. They were built so well. Those 50s era pins were built so well. People still use them. I thought that was interesting. You know, we you all can pick one up just like his for fifty, sixty dollars. We all kind of have our brands. I like Shimano. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I think you're a Shimano guy yourself. And I like Daiwa too. My buddy, uh, I have some Daiwas that have really impressed me. But my buddy Bobby, he uh, he's a pen guy. Yeah, he, he likes to stick to the pen, and it's because uh, of saltwater fishing. You know, he got out there and started using the pens in saltwater, and now that's. I've all got it. a pen. I love it, but yeah. I've I've dunked it so many times while wading in saltwater that. Yeah. They only take about a couple of seasons of that, and even you can lube them to death, but they're just never the same. That Daiwa I have, the, the reason I'm impressed by this it. This one's not sealed, I need to get sealed. Well, I bought that Daiwa. I was getting ready to go to the 
ocean and do some saltwater fishing. And I've had many reels get eaten up by the saltwater before. I mean, one day in the ocean and the next day I go and they're just, you know, hard cranking. Yeah. And so that reel was $14 at Dick's Sporting Goods, brand new. And I said for 14 bucks, you know, if it only lasts me one day in the ocean and I only catch a couple fish on it, that's that's worth the money. You no know, doubt. 14 bucks isn't that bad. And that was five years ago, and that reel is still just as smooth and strong as ever. And I've taken it to the ocean. I'm, I'm telling you, like a $14 reel has made two trips to the Atlantic, caught some really big sharks and some really big rays, and it's reeled in some big catfish here in Kentucky, and it just as strong and smooth as ever. Good deal. So I'm really impressed with the Daiwa. Yeah. If I had a second brand, that might be it. Well, I'm just, I, they were one of my first brands, and then, uh, then I got away from them, now I'm kind of back to them. Yeah. Well, they, they Lee, make really good. They just make good stuff. Lee, I don't have a whole lot else to go over. That's kind of what I wanted to talk about yeah. today because I feel like we we miss we dropped the ball on not talking. Um, and on I, I'm sure he's in heaven and uh, he's uh, at peace. Yeah. So well, he was he was a good one. Um, I will say that you were telling me the flow on Elkhorn is pretty low right now. <laughs> 55 CFS, 54, yeah. 55. We're supposed to get rain today, though. I hope it pours. It's supposed to. That's uh, what I mean, time. Um, looks like the three o'clock, four o'clock, five o'clock hour are there's a real heavy line of storms pushing down right now from kind of Indianapolis. Well, my dad and I play golf on on every Wednesday, and uh, he I talked to him earlier. He's like, Lee, are we going to be able to play? I said, Well, I'll make the call at three thirty, Dad. If it's bad, then we'll we'll bag it. Yeah, I, uh, Kristen texted me and asked me if I wanted to go creek fishing today, and I sent her the weather, and I think that it's a no go. Hmm. Unless, I mean, it's supposed to clear up by about six. So mm -hmm. if you're gonna, you know, go out after Once that. they have lightning and stuff, if there's lightning involved, then, then they'll just close her down. Okay. Well, all right, Lee, I don't got anything else. We'll, cool. we'll get together soon and do another podcast. Maybe right. talk some talk some Hey, but you know, if we get some flow in the creek, we need to do another one where we're actually out in nature and go wading and catch a fish. Well, and you, know, you know I'm good to go to the creek any day. So My stuff's, like, stuff's people in the car. Have I, you know, I've gotten good feedback from the one when we walked around the lake and talked to people and stuff. Yeah. We need to do that again. Yeah, I did too. And I'm like I said, I'm ready to go. I got the everything I need in the car. You just yep. say say when and I'm ready. I got everything I need, it. like one spot, I just grab it and go. All right, Lee. Well I appreciate you coming by. No problem, it was fun. Yes, sir.